Well, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for participating in this breakout session. If you are coming in late or if I missed you, there are some handouts in this first chair and some pens if you need it. Um, if you just want to take notes, I think there's some space in the, your booklet that came in your Synergy bag. Um, just feel free to take some notes there. I just know for me, I seem to retain a little bit more when I'm writing. Um, this session is influencing from a supporting role. And what I'm going to be doing is talking about how leadership and discipleship come together where, when we intentionally um, um, are focused on opportunities around us to advance the kingdom of God. So that's kind of the, the premise. Um, my name is Sharon Burke. I have been married for 27 years. I've got two girls. They're 18 and 21. I am currently working up at the network office. I am an administrative assistant for Jim Palmer. But I want to tell you a little bit about my history as far as um, education and experience, just to kind of give you an idea of where I'm coming from. Um, my degree is in finance, and right out of college, I decided to go in the military, and I was wanted to be an Army officer for 20 years. That was my plan. And I was injured and eventually medically boarded, and so that did not pan out. And so since I had my degree in finance, I went into banking for a little while, and then I became a stay-home mom for 12 years. And during that time, I led short-term missions trips. I taught missionettes. Uh, I volunteered in my church. I served on the PTA in my kids' schools. And then I also have served on two church staffs in administrative roles, um, bookkeeping, church secretary, that type of thing. And like I said, I'm now up at the network office as an administrative assistant. And what I have found, um, discovered really about myself, is that God gifted me, regardless of what type of role I'm in, whether it's a recognized leadership position or if it's a supporting role, um, God created me to notice things around me that need to that need, could change. That I find value in improving processes, structures, cultures, and environments. And He's given. I really believe that He's given me an eye for that. And it's a God honoring thing when I operate in that gifting that He's given me. And so that's kind of the premise of where I'm speaking from today. So let's start off talking about leadership. And I think probably the biggest misconception about leadership is that it's based on a position that you hold. You know, the lead pastor is in leadership. Your board members are leaders. And sometimes when you're in a support role, you feel like, I really don't have any influence. I don't have a voice. I'm not a leader. Um, if you are a fill-in-the-blank person, here comes up the first blank. Um, according to John Maxwell, leadership is defined in one word. Does anybody here know what that is? Leadership is influence and nothing more, nothing less. That's what he says. If you have influence, you are a leader. And I think if we look at each of us, everybody in this room has breath. Everybody that is in this room, your actions, your attitudes, um, your words, they affect people around you. So by definition, you are an influencer. And according to John Maxwell, that makes you a leader. So I think really the key question isn't in this supporting role that I'm in, am I really a leader? I think the question is, what am I going to do with the influence that I have? And I'm, am I going to be intentional in wielding the influence that God has given me? Um, my favorite position, and like I said, I've kind of had a range in my past of, of different types of positions that I've held, but my favorite position to lead from is a supporting role. I'm very passionate about that. Um, if somebody offered me a job as a lead role, I probably would turn it down. I've just find that this is a, a better role for me to lead from. 
and I think it's very unique, and I'm assuming most of you are in a supporting role since you signed up for this session, but um, as a support person, you have someone above you, you know, a committee chair, a boss, a lead pastor, whoever. Um, You've got peers, you know, people that you work with, and then you also have people below you. Maybe you lead some volunteers, or you're a, a church office manager, and you've got other employees below you. But it really makes a sphere of influence um, above, around, and below that's very unique to a supporting role. You can't lead that way from anywhere else. So I believe it's a very pivotal place that you can wield great influence. So let's start off by looking at who you are. If we want to be people of influence, if we want to be leaders, and those words can be changed interchangeable. If you're an influence, you're a leader, according to John Maxwell, and he's an expert, best-selling author, so I guess he knows what he's talking about. Um, If you want to be those kind of people, we're going to look at who you need to be, and we're going to look at what you need to do. So who you need to be, the very foundation of being an influential leader, changing the culture around you, is you have to be a person of trust. Trust is the foundation. Now, I would say for most of you in here, this is a church event, so I would like to think that nobody, your friends, your family, they don't worry if you're an honest person. If you're married, they don't worry if you're a faithful spouse. Um, I think they probably think you have great intentions. So for the most part, I would say people in this room are probably described by people that know them as people of integrity. But from my experience, and I've seen this happen more than once, you can be a person of integrity and not be trustworthy in the workplace. And if you're not trustworthy in the workplace, then you are not going to be able to yield influence, uh, positive influence. So some of the questions that I mean about being trustworthy in the workplace are questions like, do you make your deadlines? Are you quick to responding to emails and phone calls? How dependable is your word? When you make mistakes, do you own them and go to make the effort to correct them? Do you keep a confidence? Do you gossip about people in your church or your coworkers? Do you use your organizations wisely, your organization's resources wisely? Do you follow through on your commitments, even the smallest ones? And a big one for me, are you willing to have a hard conversation when it's necessary? When you feel conflict brewing or you see somebody doing something that's not God-honoring, are you willing to step up and have that hard conversation? You know, living this way is definitely not easy, but I think it is the way that God would have us lead. And let's look at what some scripture says. Um, More important what the Bible says than what I have to say. So, again, these are some fill-in-the-blanks. And this would be great class participation. So if you know the – yes, ma'am. I'll get to it. Um, If you know these blanks, I would love for you to speak out. And I – Different versions may use a little bit different words, but the first one, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. So that is definitely, if you're doing it with all your might, that is as excellent as I am personally capable of doing it. Secondly, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So how does that change our paradigm when we're putting the bulletin together, when we're putting something on Facebook, when we're working with numbers, you know, building our schedule and um, planning center? It's not the church we're working for. It's for the Lord. Does that not make you want to work with excellence? 
And I think the second most valuable ingredient outside of trust in being a God-honoring leader is to be sincerely interested in helping others. And that blank's kind of short, so you'll have to write small on that. Sorry. Um, and to show that you're interested in other people. You know, regardless of what you say, in your heart of hearts, what is your truest motive in what you do? Are you trying to get yourself ahead? Are you trying to promote yourself? Or is it really, I want to serve the people around me. I want to help this organization move forward. And people are pretty smart. So we might be saying one thing, but if our motive is truly something else, that's going to come out. And when that hypocrisy comes out, we, it totally wrecks our ability to be influencers. So let's look at what Scripture says about serving others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So that scripture says we're to have the same mindset, nothing, servanthood. The second scripture, do nothing out of what kind of ambition? Selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Definitely scripture backs being others-focused. And then I find this scripture incredibly encouraging as someone in a supporting role. What, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So this scripture says greatness comes through serving. So I think a lot of times we see late leaders as the great ones. And this scripture says that it's the servants. Not that you can't be a servant leader, but it's those that are serving that are considered great in the kingdom. So we've talked a little bit about who we need to be, and hopefully all of you in here are extremely trustworthy people. You're very others-focused and motivated, so we can check those boxes off. So now we're going to move on to what we need to do. So the first thing that I think is... Um, well, let me say this. These three things, we obviously could spend a long time talking about this, but these three things I think are countercultural in a lot of ways. And I think that um, if you are in this session, you are seeking greater influence in the environments that you work. So what you need to do is show yourself um, able and willing and somebody that the leadership would entrust more responsibility to, that you would accurately represent Christ and the goals of the church. So the, that's kind of where I'm coming from, from with these three things. So the first one is live out the culture of yes. Now think back to the last time you were told no. I mean, who likes that answer? Nobody. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a toddler or you're a 50-year-old. When you want something and somebody tells you no, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. So living out the culture of yes is asking questions like, how can I make this happen? How can I make this situation a win-win? How can I exceed expectations in this situation? Those are, that's what living out the culture of yes means. Now, serving with this, this attitude of living out the culture of yes definitely requires a servant's heart, and it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. Going the extra mile, you know, we're never told that's going to be necessarily fun even. 
But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the easy road. We're talking about being entrusted with more influence so that we can change culture. And the rewards of living out this culture of yes, going the extra mile, it really, the benefits um, are far, far reaching. I think it breeds positive attitudes in the workplace and the people that you work with. I think it leads to better relationships among your peers. I mean, who's not attracted to a positive person? Everybody is. It reflects well on your church. So if you're in a position where you deal, especially with the lost world, you know, the last thing they expect from the church, unfortunately, is a loving, caring servant, go the extra mile attitude. So it's a great witness to a watching lost world. And it's just very God-honoring, this whole mindset. I want to give you some real-life examples for these three things just to kind of get your brain thinking. Um, in the job that I have now, I work with Ohio's missionaries, and so I work with the national office of the World Missions a lot. And I prefer to communicate via email just so I have record of conversations. And um, plus, I go to work at 530, so most people don't want conversations at, at that hour of the day. Um, but I just noticed over like two or three months that they were super responsive. They always gave me what I needed. They had a positive attitude. And one time I even requested something they didn't have, but they were like, give us some time. We'll get that together and we'll get it to you. And so I am huge on customer service, good or bad. I I really noticed that. And I was just astounded. I was like, this is fantastic customer service. And so I sent an email to the department head and told him, you know, your, your team is knocking it out of the park, and I just want you to know the people in the field notice. And so he responded back with this statement saying, thank you, one of our core values is to live out the culture of yes. So I totally told, stole that statement from him. I didn't come up with it. But how cool that that is a core value. Like they talk about it and they coach it, living out the culture of yes, and it is so evident um, in the way that they uh, interact with the people that they support. Um, The second piece of just um, what we can do to be a more influential leader is to take the initiative. I believe a five-word sentence that we need to take from our vocabulary, like if if I never hear this sentence again, I'll be a happy camper, is that is not my job. And I feel like it's a very prideful statement. It's a divisive statement. And... um, I'm not advocating not having job descriptions. My favorite thing to do is build structure and process. I, if you don't have a job description, I would encourage you to talk to your supervisor about getting one. I think they're extremely important. But what I am saying is don't be limited by your job description. So when you see a need and you can meet it, whether it's your job or not, just meet it. You know, If someone needs some help and you've got the time to help, the margin to help, then do that. It's a culture changer. Um, An example I want to give you is a a friend of mine years ago was walking. He was out in public, and he was walking, and he walked by some trash, and he kind of, hey, there's some trash, and he kept walking, and the Holy Spirit said, go pick up that trash, and he kind of wrestled. It's like, well, what am I going to do with it when I pick it up? I'm like carrying around this trash. Who knows what's really on this trash? And he said, just to be honest, there was a little bit of pride involved in that. He didn't want to be the trash picker-upper. And, uh, but he knew it was the Holy Spirit. And he went back and he picked up the trash. And he just decided for himself, I am going to become a trash picker-upper. Wherever I am, I'm picking up trash. And so I was talking to him and preparing for this class. And he said, you know, it's so funny. I'm in public. I'm, like, walking down downtown the sidewalk with somebody. And 
I'm in a conversation and I notice trash and I pick it up. And he said, almost always the person walking with me doesn't ask me why I'm picking up trash, but they start picking up trash. And so you just see the power of that initiative of when you're doing something, somebody like, I'll join with you. You know, the other person may not do it on their own, but they'll join with you. It is an influencing action to take initiative. Um, Another thing is I was attending a church and the slides on the church were just dated. They weren't really reflective of who that church was. The background graphics were icky, and the font was like, well, I won't name it because you might use it, but it's not a font that I liked, and um, it just wasn't very contemporary looking, I didn't think. And, um, and I'm just looking around, and I, am, I love first impressions. I, I have a passion for the lost and getting in a church and plugging in and developing a relationship with Christ. I love discipleship. And for some people, especially if you're talking about a younger generation, you know, you've got outdated media, and that's not attractive to them. It's, it's superficial, and that probably shouldn't be true, but unfortunately it is true. And um, so anyway, I just sat at this church for a while and was just like, gosh, I wish they'd do something with those slides, or they'd pull, oh, not that background again. And um, so I felt the Holy Spirit say, you volunteer to help. Well, Tech is not in my tool belt. I mean, I know about this much about tech. And um, I was like, there are so many people in this church. It's like a church of 300 people. It's like, there's got to be somebody more qualified than me to update these slides. And um, so I sat on it for a while, and I felt, again, the Holy Spirit say, you, you go offer to help. So um, I, I didn't really even know the media director very well. And I went up to him, and I was like, I just feel like I'm supposed to offer my help with media. And if you want any help with the slides or tech or whatever, then, you know, I'll be glad to do that. And um, he was like, oh, what an answer to prayer you are. He was also the worship leader. And he, um, very smart, very talented, but his focus was on bringing worship up to par where, where the pastor wanted it to be. And he's like, I've totally let media go. I need somebody to kind of take that and own it. And so, I mean, I probably didn't take it where a lot of churches are, but I was able to take it up the next level. And uh, again, not something in my tool belt. If you ask me to just, you know, 10 words to describe myself, techie would not be in the top 10. Um, But I did help. And it was an initiative that um, made a difference in the culture of that church. And then the last thing is, if you want to be a highly influential, God-honoring leader, you need to be intentional. Now, if I ask each of you, just like I was talking about with the slides, if I ask each of you to name something in your church that you wish was different or that you think could be better, I'd be willing to bet everybody could come up with something. Maybe some of you could come up with a whole lot of things. But instead of using that as a basis of being critical, what if we use those as a place of prayer for us to be, God, how you gave me eyes to see that. How would you use me to change that in our church's culture or to take initiative in that? You know, the truth is you probably can't change your church's culture by yourself, but you can make a difference. You can be an instigator. And from working on two church staffs, I can tell you with authority that church leaders are looking for people who are intentional and will take initiative and servant-hearted and others-focused that are trustworthy in the workplace to carry weight. I mean, your church leaders, your 
typical recognized leadership role leaders, that's the kind of people that they're looking for. And when you prove yourself to be that kind of person, they will empower you, hopefully, with more responsibility. You know, maybe it is like with the slides. They didn't know that was in me. I had to offer that. Um, but you have to, once you are that kind of person and you do these type of things, it definitely gets the attention of um, leaders. And that's obviously, since you're here, something that is important to you. So in a small, very small example, and this is just an example to show it doesn't have to be a huge thing. But I, um, I worked one summer in an office, and everybody, it was a very busy office, and everybody was in their cubicle and their um, offices, very busy, and they just didn't interact a whole lot, which was fine. Um, later, I was offered a position at that place, and I knew um, Strength Finders is like a personality test, and one of my top strengths is harmony. I want to find ways to connect with people and connect people together. And so this kind of environment, I just knew I wasn't going to thrive in that kind of environment. So I took two jars, two, two glass jars, and I put peanut butter M&Ms in one, which are the world's best M&Ms if you haven't tried peanut M&Ms. Um, and then the other jar just had wrapped candy, and I put a sign on there, help yourself. And I told people, whether I'm here or not, you're welcome to the candy on my desk. If you want to, um, you know, you don't need to pay anything for it. It's just there. And so when people would stop by to get candy, because who's not going to stop by for free chocolate, um, I would just in intentionally start conversations with them. And, you know, sometimes it was a few seconds. Sometimes it was a few minutes. But it'd be like, you know, what's going on this week? How was your weekend? How are the kids doing? And then later that week, as I'm passing by their office or running across them in the break room, I would ask follow-up questions. You know, how's that project going? You know, are the kids feeling better? And we would be able to have conversation. And I got to know those people personally, and they got to know a little bit about me. And it, it did change the culture of that office by two jars of candy on my desk. I was very intentional in putting them in there. So being intentional, hopefully there is a great big thing that, you know, you'll be empowered to do to help move your church forward and fulfill the vision that, God has given the lead pastor there, um, and you can work to a greater good, but it doesn't have to be a huge thing. And again, if God's given you the eyes to see it, maybe it's something he's wanting you to, to act on. So I just want to finish up this session. Um, I want to go back to Scripture, and we're going to look at Matthew 25, and there's two parables in Matthew 25. One is the, um, the sheep and the goats, and the other one is the master and the servant. And we, uh, I think we probably all know both of these parables, so I won't read them to you, but um, I do just want to kind of summarize them. And so Jesus, you know, most of the scriptures we read before were from Paul, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus told these parables, and he said, um, the Son of Man himself is standing in the nations are before him. He separates them like the sheep and the goat, like a shepherd would separate the sheep and the goat. And he says to the sheep, this is what he, and these are some blanks on your form. This is what he says to the sheep. And if you know him, feel free to call him out. Come who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared before you since the creation of the world. Now, I don't know if it gets much better than that. Blessed by the father, I have an inheritance that was created before the foundation of the world. And I think the sheep, were a little bit astounded, and they were like, what did we do to get all that? And you guys all know, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. 
Um, I was a stranger. You invited me in. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And so then he says, he looks over to the goats, and he says to the goats, anybody know that first word that he says? It's depart. That's just a heartbreaking word. (laughs) Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. So the goats not only have to depart from Jesus' presence, but they have the same eternal punishment as Satan himself. And again, they're kind of confused, and they're like, well, what have we done to deserve this horrible punishment? And, and it's just the opposite of the sheep. I was hungry, and you didn't feed me, and, and you did invite me in, and you didn't clothe me. So let's just kind of leave that there, and let's go over to the next parable, um, the talents. And so a master is going away, and he's entrusting his servants with, um, according to my research, a talent is 15 years wages. So it's a fortune. And he's entrusted them to his servants. And the first one he gives, how many talents? Five. He gives five talents. And then the second servant, he gives him two talents. And the last servant, he gives him one talent. And um, he goes away. And when he comes back, the servant that had five gives him the five back. And how many more does he give him? Gives him five back. And so um, the master says to that servant, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the, the servant that had two talents, he comes back and he gives the master the two that he was entrusted with, and he increases it by how many? Two more. So he is told the exact same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So it wasn't about the return. It was about the faithfulness. They were good and faithful servants, and they were recognized that by their master. And then the last um, servant had one talent. And when he, the master comes back, he gives the one talent back to the master, and he has how many more? He has none more. And the master was, does anybody know the emotion it talks about there? The master was angry. The master was angry. And um, so if we look at the sheep from the first parable, and we look at the first two servants from the second parable, their masters were pleased with them because of what they did. And then... The goats and the um, last servant angered their master by what they did not do. Now, I am the first to say salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. But James tells us that faith without works is dead. And could it be having a dead faith is really like having no faith? That somehow in kingdom the kingdom world, that what we do with what's been entrusted to us, the opportunities that we have, the people that we have the opportunity to serve, the ways that we are to invest our life, it matters when it comes to our eternal reward. So I want to take these last few minutes. um, Well, we'll probably take like three or four minutes. And I just, I want us to give us a moment for the Spirit to speak. And I've been praying for this, and I've had other people pray for this part of our session. Um, you know, if we come to these, these things and we hear a word, and maybe it's everything. I don't think I've shared anything mind-boggling today. You probably already knew all this before you came in. Um, but I do believe that God wanted me to share what I've shared today. And you chose out of all the sessions to be in this place at this time. And so I just want us to um, 
open our hearts and minds to the Spirit and maybe see what he would have us do with what he's entrusted to us. And if we're looking back at Jesus as our example, you know, there's so many healings in Scripture, you know, whether it's um, from demons or physical healings, um, lame, blind, I mean, all this. But there's never in Scripture a place where there's a mass healing. Now, maybe Jesus did that, but I would think if it happened, somebody would have recorded that. So he was very specific, you know, in these thousands of people, he chose who he touched. There were multitudes that he did not, that, that weren't healed by Jesus. And Jesus says he didn't pick those people. He said, I've come to do what? The will of the Father. So if Jesus is our example, and he chose who he was going to minister to by the will of the Father, how much more do we need to be led by the will of the Father? You know, there's opportunities abound for all of us. But what we're going to be held accountable to when we're before the throne of Christ, it's going to be, did we do what he called us to do? So, you know, maybe, hopefully, as you've sat in this session, um, some thoughts have been prompted, and you're kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like that time that I felt like the Holy Spirit said this, or, yeah, I've noticed this about my church, and maybe some of that's already kind of stewing in your heart and your mind. I hope, I hope it is. But if it's not, I'm just going to ask you some, some questions, and then I'm just going to be quiet, and um, we'll pray and invite the Spirit here, um, believing he already is, but just that we will be open to receive from him. So for yourself, and there's some space on the back of your form if you want to take some notes there, you can use your Synergy book. Um, what specific talents and abilities and skills do you possess? Not me and my tech skills, they weren't great. You know, it doesn't have to be something you excel at, but what's something that you're willing to give to the Father to be used in his kingdom? You know, a skill that I have is cooking. That's not spiritual at all, but God has used that. I cannot tell you how many times to bring team unity, to celebrate with people, used it in sorrow. I know he's used it. So think through that. And maybe um, what have you got eyes and ears for? What are some things that you've noticed that you wish were better? that you feel like your church might be more effective in reaching the lost, more effective in discipleship, if something was different. God gave you the ability to notice that. And then lastly, just who has God placed around you? You know, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your church body, committees that you serve on, places you volunteer All right, so we'll do, we'll just sit for two or three minutes after I pray, and um, just hopefully the Holy Spirit will speak. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your Spirit to us, and we invite you here, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to our hearts. Open our ears that we can hear of you, and not discount things that seem too great, but it's in those stretching places that we learn and we grow. Speak to us clearly, Lord, and let us hear. Your holy name, amen. If you want to continue writing, feel free. Whatever the Spirit has to say is much more important than anything I have to say, so I won't be invited in the least by that. But um, for those of you that are dying, just want to ask you to imagine with me for a moment that what if the body universal, the body of Christ, chose to live this way? I mean, can you imagine what that would be like if we intentionally invested our energies in those around us? If we were unified, if we were more 
concerned with the things of the the kingdom and what God would have us do than we are necessarily about our own comfort or pleasure or reward. What if the filter for all of our decisions came through hearing, well done, good and faithful servant? And can you imagine how that would change the environments, the cultures that we're a part of, our families, our workplaces, committees we serve on, our churches, our neighborhoods, communities? Francis Chan was speaking, and just you hear eternity, and it's, I don't know about you, but my mind is extremely finite, and it's very hard for me to even wrap my head around that. Um, but he said, when we make decisions, he being Francis Chan, said, when we make decisions for this lifetime, we're making decisions based on maybe the moment, the day, the year. You know, at the most, we're probably going to live to be 80, 90. A few of us might make it to 100. But that's as long as those decisions, that influence is going to be. But if we make kingdom intentional decisions, those rewards last, and he used the number, tens of thousands of years. It's like, I know that number. I can, I can wrap my head around that. So, you know, when we're making our decisions, we're deciding what we're going to do. Are we going to do it for the day, you know, at the most 80 years? Or do we want rewards that are going to last tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years? So the three truths that I really would love for you to take back with you today is first, and these are blanks on your form, because you have breath, you have what? Influence. You do. You have influence. Whether you think it or not, you're influencing people. And because you have influence, according to John Maxwell, you are a... You are a leader. And because you are a follower of Jesus, your leadership and influence has eternal rewards. And I put this little statement down at the bottom. Um, just that you have a wonderful opportunity to store treasures in heaven. I mean, just that concept, how that works, I don't know. But I just think it's awesome that it truly happens. See, we're promised that in Scripture. When we intentionally use our time, talents, and resources for kingdom purposes and obedience to what it is that God's called us to do, to intentionally impact the people and the cultures around us to further his will on this earth. So I just encourage you as you take these papers, I know you've got a bag and tomorrow's church and it's a busy work day for everybody. So I don't know when you get home, maybe stick this little page in your Bible or your devotion book or beside your bed or wherever you may run into it again. And I would just encourage you to, to pray and let this be an investment, a starting point of living your life just in a different intentional way, just being awakened to the influence you truly have in the cultures around you. All right, we have got about 10 more minutes. If anybody has, I mean, I don't know if this was a great question and answer session, but um, our session, but if anybody has or just a thought from your own experience um, you'd love to share, I'd love to hear it. Every culture is different, and that's really in this why it's kind of more of a general concept because the structure, understandably, is different from church to church or place to place. I really feel like a lot of times we feel like in a supporting role we can't make a difference, so we don't make a difference. So I feel like if you are in a support role and there's something that you feel like, um, you know, I feel like this would help with the vision of the church. It, a lot of that depends on the personality of your leadership, if they're open to that kind of thing. You know, obviously, always start with prayer, um, because when you try to do something out of your own motivation, it could 
and disastrously. But if you really feel like God has opened the door for you to have influence in that and to speak to this, you know, I have a burden for this. And when you go to a leader and you say, I have a burden for our greeters to be more intentional with our guests as they walk in the door, and I think it would make a difference because of this, and I'm willing to invest in helping see that happen or helping build the process or having the conversation. Um, I think that does make a difference. Um, but more than anything, I do think that it is just truly a, a led by prayer. And I don't know if that answered your question, but yes. I think there were a couple over here. Yes, ma'am. No, no. I do think really a key from a supportive role, which is it's the win. It's the good and the bad of being in a supporting role. The win is you don't carry the weight. The bummer is you don't carry the weight. You know, so the decision isn't up to you. Um, like with the media slides, you know, they never really got where I wanted them to be. There were certain things that's like, like, I would not use that kind of background graphic, but I was not the media director. So I could take it better, but it was really, I think that submission to leadership is very important. And because I think when you have, I like to call it the difference between, um, and I'll give credit to this to Gary Fowler, the difference between a critical eye and a critical spirit. So you can see, okay, this, is, this could be better, but you can't let that become a critical spirit. Uh, they won't listen to me. This is, you know, whatever. It's still the heart. It's, um, and if you're struggling with leadership in your church, I would definitely recommend the book, Tell of Two Kings. It's absolutely, it's very short, but very, very convicting between Paul, uh, Saul, Saul and David. Thank you, whoever said that. Yeah, Saul and David. But it's a, I don't know that you could read that book and not be convicted um, if you're having issues with leadership. Anybody else? Yes, sir. He said, for those of you that didn't hear, he was like, don't assume that your leaders, lead pastor, board, whoever, sees what you see, that they're focused on other things, and that um, the, the fact that they're not doing something to correct that does, may be that they don't see it, and that's why God's given you the eyes to see it, so you could bring it to their attention. Very good point. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I agree. I, I do agree. And I think that the bigger scheme isn't just correcting a thing. You know, greeters need to be more intentional. It is a culture shift that we can be instrumental in changing the cultures of our churches. I absolutely believe that. Very awesome. It's that being ears open to the Spirit and how he would lead you to do. And you don't know, the like you were saying, the ripple effect of the impact you had in that man's life just by that one statement. Absolutely. I had a crazy situation. One time I was at a grocery store in a parking lot, and I felt like God said, wait. So I just sat in my car. I, he doesn't do this often. It was kind of strange. And I'm looking around, and there's a woman in her car crying, and she let me pray with her. It was her birthday, and she was very sad about her life and the point that it was. And I was able to invite her to church. I don't think she came, but it was a God moment. And it was just, it doesn't always make sense. You know, you think it doesn't matter, but it does. God loves us, you know. And I think if any of you uh, take time to look back, God's dropped people in your life along the way. And some of those people probably don't even remember the impact they made, but, but uh, you do because it was a God moment. Anything else? We have just a couple minutes. Thank you guys for participating. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So I wasn't lying when I said church leadership is looking for those kind of people to impart weight and responsibility and influence to. It's spoken by a lead pastor. All right. Much more authoritative than I am. 
All right. Well, let me pray, and um, then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every person in this room. I thank you for bringing them here today. I thank you for bringing them to this session, and I thank you for the word that you gave me to share today. And Father, I just pray that it is sealed in our hearts, that it is a game changer, that these thoughts play in our head, that we are kingdom-focused, that we are others-minded, that we take initiative, and that we are intentional in what we do in advancing the kingdom forward, that this life is not about us, but it's about serving others for your glory and advancing your kingdom. We thank you that in your great wisdom, you decided to use us for your will to be done on earth. And why that is, I don't know, but I am grateful, Lord, that I get to partner with you, the King of Kings in your plans and your purposes in the lives of those around me. I just thank you. I pray blessings on these people as they go throughout their sessions the rest of the day that you would impart wisdom and life-changing concepts to them so that we'll be more effective for the kingdom in the days ahead. In your holy name we pray, amen.